That, uh, when Chris made that video, little did we know how appropriate would it be uh, for the time we're walking in. We're, we're in this series called Life on the Brink, and uh, I, I, I tell you in all seriousness, uh, the message today is on the brink with worry or antidote for anxiety. And, uh, you know, only God could put that together in the timing where we are today. And because uh, many people are, are walking in worrisome anxiety today to excess. And uh, we want to talk about that a little bit today. And um, uh, I, I, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to pick up right where we left off last week. We were in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 6. We ended with verse 24. We're going to pick it up with verse 25 today in just a moment. So uh, you can go ahead and find that. And uh, if you're at home, I encourage you to take notes and, and um, get your Bibles and, and go with us and just like you're here. But i uh, got a little story for you just to, to start off things. Uh, it goes like this. There was a fellow <clears throat> that was about to jump off a bridge and commit suicide. And uh, an alert police officer slowly and methodically moved toward him, uh, talking with him, you know, to try to talk him down. And uh, when the officer got within inches of him, he, he said this. He said, surely nothing could be bad enough to take your life. Tell me about it. Talk to me. Try to get him to talk. And the would-be jumper told how his wife had left him, how his business had gone bankrupt, and how his friends had deserted him. And all of life had lost meaning. For 30 minutes, he just continued to tell this sad story. And then they both jumped off the bridge. You know, misery loves company. And when we're going through something, you know, it just seems like I, I, I actually think sometimes I hear stories from people's mouths today. And I'm thinking, how do you make it in, in this world? And I love the scriptures we read earlier that we have a God who is walking with us through this anxiety and stress that is here. And Jesus knew that we would walk and, and on this earth and we would have temptations to get overwhelmed with anxiety and stress. And the day we live in, we're talking on the brink that people have no margin in their life. And so when they come to the edge, like coming to the edge of the stage here, that... Uh, you know, anxiety and worry just pushes them over the edge, and we're seeing suicide at at, at uh, just an all-time high, and, and we're seeing these things happen because people don't have any margins so that when things do go awry, they still have the peace of Christ to guide them, even in those tough times, you know? And so we see many people, and, and we, we see it on, our, on a worldwide scale right now, which is really, uh, really something to, to observe. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus, it seems like he was reading our mail for such a time as this. So let me read uh, Matthew six twenty-five through 34 through the end of the chapter. It says this, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So, he said a second time, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, he says it a third time, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And all God's people said, <laughs> Amen. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We, we can uh, register with that, right? Uh, what I want to do today is I want to kind of unpack what Jesus is saying here through the lens of today. I mean, we look at where we're at today. These people he was speaking to were prone to worry and anxiety, just like we are. Theirs was more in the line of what would they eat and where would they find clothing. But uh, the same anxieties go for us today, not so much in what we wear, but the pressures put on us. And we want to look at this anxiety and worry today, calling it on the brink with worry or calling it an antidote for anxiety, because I think that's a, a great title. The first thing that I want us to see here is in verse 25, what is the first word? Therefore. So if there's a therefore, we got to know what it's there for. And so we have to go back to last week, just a moment. And uh, point number one for you that are taking notes is this, to conquer materialism, give. And you're thinking, Mark, I didn't see that in. That's why there's a therefore that takes us back to last week. If you were not here last week or you were not watching last week, the, the scriptures, Jesus says this, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust did not destroy and thieves did not break in and steal. And then he talked about the eye as the lamp of the body. And then he finished that part of the sermon by saying, man cannot serve two masters. He will love one and hate the other. He will be devoted to one, despise the other. A man cannot serve both God and money. He's talking about how money, materialism, will become a God in your life. So he starts out by saying, therefore, because of that, this is how you should live. So we need to get point number one out of that therefore, and it's to conquer materialism, give. That's what Jesus is teaching. Give your time to those that are less fortunate. Give your talents to the church and to his kingdom so that that can advance. And give your resources to the kingdom as well so that the kingdom can go forward and so that you realize that God owns it all and He is in charge of it all. You know, when it comes to giving, we always think money. That's, it just seems like that's what we think all the time. But you know, God has given you many tools. You do realize your life is in His hands. Just imagine your next breath, your next heartbeat, God holds in His hand. So that's a gift for you to have. 
Many of you have different talents uh, that I do not have, and you have different from one another. I love the fact that you have talents that God wants to use if you're willing to give them to Him to let Him use you in that area. I love our safety team. Our, our safety team has been a, a testimonial over the past year just of how God has brought them together. And I love it because these men and women on our safety team, they have a passion in that area, and God is able to use that for His kingdom. I, I love what's happening in our preschool right now, in our kids' ministry, in our student ministry. Because people are using their gifts and their talents for God's kingdom. And I love that. Uh, and then you, you give your resources. Uh, you do realize that everything you have, you're but a money manager of what God has allowed you to have. One of the things I love about, that Pam and I love about Central is that we believe that God owns it all. We, he lets us live on 90%. We give that 10% unto the Lord we give extra to missions and, and those kind of things, but we give to the Lord through the ministry of Central. Well, why do we do that? We believe, and I don't say this just because I'm the pastor, we love Central and that I know that when we give to Central, it is touching the kingdom around the world. Locally, yes, but around the world as well. And we love that. And so if you're not being obedient in your giving, we encourage you to be obedient in your giving. Let, let you know that you're storing up for yourself treasures in heaven. So the first thing I think Jesus is getting across, going back to last week, is listen, to conquer materialism and consumerism, which is the God of our world, give. Give. It's going to go, it's going to feel like you're going left-handed. You know, if you're a dominant right-handed person, it's going to feel like you're going left-handed because of that. And uh, in fact... Uh, many people online today we encourage that because many people are at risk. Uh, you can give online. And how many of you give online? Because that's a great thing uh, to be able to do. So point number one is to conquer materialism, give. Now let's get into anxiety. The next point is this. Anxiety is destructive. Anxiety is destructive. Jesus said, do not worry about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're drink or body, what you're going to wear. And then he gives two illustrations. He talks about the birds and he talks about the flowers. Look at these things. They do not, they do not worry. They're not worried. And yet they're taken great care of. But yet we know anxiety causes destruction. Number one, it causes physical destruction. We see many people today who are battling heart disease and migraines and other physical ailments because of worry and anxiety that overcomes them. And you see this all the time. You see people that are battling uh, physical ailments. Uh, I, love, I love this quote I wrote down. An ulcer doesn't come because of what you ate. It comes because of what's eating you. And that's the truth. We just seem to, even though Jesus said, you know, tomorrow has enough trouble on its own, how much of our worrying is into the future. And how much of are we worried about our past? Uh, it's like the lady said, I, you know, I know you tell me not to worry, and, and worry's not healthy for me and everything, but 90% of the things I worry about never come. And I, that's about the truth. It doesn't come, but we let it eat us. And physically, we are, we are seeing a day that uh, people are hurting majorly because of worry and anxiety. But not only does it hurt you physically, it hurts you mentally. Right? Uh, we see 
Um, we see anxiety disorders that are out of, off the charts. Depression is off the charts. Um, mental struggles. We see suicide. That is, uh, uh, people just lose hope and uh, they, they just plays work on their mind. And the enemy loves to keep them stirred up and the worry and anxiety leads to destruction. So it physically, mentally, but spiritually. We're looking at people today that they're followers of Jesus Christ. But the worry and anxiety of the world has made them ineffective. They're carrying it around. It's a weight that they carry with them and they're dry all the time and they're hopeless and they're fearful. It, 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 it amazes me that uh, with what we're going through in our globe right now, which I take very seriously, is that to see Christ followers is so anxious and worrisome about this. And uh, this, this worry and anxiety is creating physical havoc, mentally havoc, and spiritual havoc on the lives of people. But let me, let me say something here. Because when Jesus says, do not worry... This is where I I want to throw something in off the side. He's not saying live a frivolous, carefree kind of life. That's not what he's saying. He just said, don't worry. Don't give way to worry and anxiety. Because I've known people that say, oh, if if we're not supposed to worry, then I'm supposed to be carefree and and live over here and, and all this freedom and this kind of stuff. You know as well as I do, that's going to destroy you. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that you don't worry and because we know that anxiety is destructive in, in the way it is. When uh, Pam and I went to London, one of the first times we went, we went over to a museum and uh, <clears throat> there was a, a display in the museum and I'd already always heard about Grimaldi the Clown, but I didn't know if it was the truth or not. I just heard about him. And uh, sure enough, Grimaldi uh, in this museum was one of his clown outfits that, that was there. So, okay, he was a real guy. But there's a story uh, that goes about Grimaldi this way. There was a man that, that went to a pastor in, in a small town, and he went to him, and he sat down with the pastor, and he began to spill his guts. He just spilled all the worry and anxiety and the depression and the the physical struggles he had from the anxiety and all these things. And life was hopeless. And he just laid this out for the pastor. And the pastor listened to him and said, Oh, man, I've got the answer for you. He said, Do you know the clown Grimaldi? He is in town. And if you go and you watch him, you will be full of joy. He just has a way of expressing himself that brings joy to all the people that are present. And the man lowered his head and he finally looked up at the pastor and he says, you don't understand. He said, I am Grimaldi. You know, we can act a certain way out here, but how do we react when the world truly comes crashing in sometimes? So, anxiety is destructive. Here's point number three. Our identity makes a difference. Our identity makes a difference. Now let me let me show you what I mean by that. In verse 26, notice what it says. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet, what's the next word? Your heavenly Father. 
He is the creator of birds, but He is our heavenly Father. If He takes care of something He created like a bird and flowery grass, how much more will He take care of His children? In other words, the way I look at it, we're King's kids. He's a creator of nature, but He is our Father, and we are King's kids. Here's some thoughts about King's kids that I want to lay on you this morning. One is this. As King's kids, we should look and react different from the world. Notice what he says in verse 32. He says, for the pagans, and he's talking about those non-believers. For the pagans run after these things. What do they run after? They run after the things of the world. They're always running after more food. They're running after more clothes, better looking clothes, whatever. And he says, the pagans run after these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. You see, we as king's kids ought to be different from the world. Okay? We ought to be different. In the time of lack of calm, we should be calm. In a time when people are fearful, we should be at peace. We should be content. It doesn't mean that bad things don't happen. It just means we are children of the King. And our Father is on His throne. He did not go to sleep when the coronavirus came into being. Okay? And we as children of the King should respond differently. If He takes care of the birds, how much more will your Heavenly Father take care of you? Listen, that's a promise. He has obligated Himself to take care of you. That's in Scripture. God is taking care of His people. How, get this, how we react to anxiety shows what or who we put our trust in. How we respond, doesn't say that we won't go through it, how we respond to anxiety shows what or who we put our trust in. Do we put our trust in the world? Do we put our trust in government? We put our trust in our Heavenly Father, and thus we lift Him up. So as a king's kid, we should look and react differently. Here's another thing. As a king's kid, I have a father who knows what I need. Now there's a difference, okay, you ready for this? There's a difference between wants and needs, okay? Maybe you don't know that. Because we think, I need everything I want. And, uh, and that's not the truth. But we have a Heavenly Father that knows everything that you need. And He has obligated Himself to take care of us. You know, when I was a kid, um, I, I can just remember being a kid. I, don't, I never worried about food being at my house. I never worried that I was going to have clothes. I never worried. I mean, you, you know your kids. When you remember when you were a kid or you have kids now, they don't worry about that because they know mom or dad is going to take care of it. They don't worry about it. And as King's kids, we're not frivolous about it, but we are close enough to our Heavenly Father to completely trust Him. And He knows what we need. Now, some, sometimes you're thinking, well, I, I need a new car. But he may say, you need a used car. It's new to you. But you know what I'm saying, is that we have a Heavenly Father 
who takes care of us. Point number four is this. Our focus leads us forward. Our focus leads us forward. Notice verse 33. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, as we seek the kingdom, as we seek the righteousness of the kingdom, the Father takes care of these earthly needs that are there. And our focus is what determines our direction that we're going to go. If we are always looking to the world for guidance, then we're going to go into the pits of despair. The media is going to prey on the fears of mankind. But we put our focus on the Father, and we see that we go forward at that point. Okay? Where you put your focus, where you have your attraction, is where you will go. If you focus on the earth, you will have the temporary things of earth. If you focus on the kingdom, you will have the eternal things of the kingdom. That's what Jesus' promise is to us right there in uh, Matthew 6.33. Here's a verse in Isaiah. Isaiah 26, verse 3. I want to read this to you. Isaiah the prophet said as he's speaking for God, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Can I, I, I feel like I need to read that again. I want you to think about what's going on in our world and our community today. Listen to what it says. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Some people need to hear that today. Man, it, it amazes me the fear that is out there. But He keeps in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on Him. And He provides for the temporary. You, you know that candy now and later? You heard of that candy? Uh, it's a candy that, that I think it's reason called now and later is you chew on it now and it gets stuck in your teeth and there's some later is probably the way it works. Uh, Dennis loved now and later. But... Uh, that's the way it is in the kingdom. There's the now that He provides our needs, and then there's the later we eternal home with Him. Amen? That is, that is what we need to know. I want to share with you about an excerpt from a book that was written called The Good War. It's about World War II. And there was a guy by the name of Studs Terkel. How about the name Studs? And he related experience about David Milton, who was an 18-year-old in the military. And he was on a ship in 1942. And he was taking on this ship, they were taking Sherman tanks across to, uh, to Europe. And an excerpt from the book says this, In the middle of the Atlantic, these tanks broke loose in a big storm. They were Sherman tanks, 20, 30 tons. As the ship would roll, uh, these tanks would just slide through the hole and bang it up against the bulkhead. Then they'd roll the other way, just shaking the ship apart. 
So we pulled out of the convoy. We headed into the sea, and while the deck seamen went down below to secure these tanks, they were riding them like cowboys, trying to hook in cables, though. Finally, they got the tanks lashed down. And then the point was made is this. The great danger to Milton's ship came not from the storm on the outside, but by the disturbance on the inside. We can handle the stresses without only when we are battened down within. Isn't that good? We can handle what's going on out here when we have this in right shape. And I'm not talking about that you're physically shaped. I mean your spirit is in right shape. Last point is this. Our lives are not exempt from trials. Verse 34, we all, you know, we wish we, Jesus would have ended at verse 33. But He kept talking and He goes into chapter 7 as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are not exempt from trials. In fact, the last statistic I read on death was one out of every one person dies. That's a pretty high, high success rate for death. I'm not saying because you have faith in your Heavenly Father that you will not get the coronavirus. I am not saying because you have faith in your Heavenly Father that you will not get laid off work one day. I am not saying because you have faith in your Heavenly Father and you are a king's kid that things may not go awry somewhere. I wish I, wish I could say that. And certain certain... Uh, streams of the faith say those things and I just cringe and I'm thinking that gives people a false hope. How do we react to those things is what makes the difference. We, we act a certain way as followers of Jesus Christ, but acting, we can all act, but how do you react when the trials of life come? That is what we look at. We act like believers and we react like believers. Andrew Murray is one of my favorite guys to read. He was a pastor in South Africa and passed away like in uh, early 1900s, before 1910, I believe. I love to read his stuff because he had this walk with Christ that was so palpable and real that you just read it and you're thinking, oh Lord, I want that. But... Andrew Murray was facing a terrible crisis in his life. And he got himself into his study and he sat quietly and prayerfully and thoughtfully and his mind went to the Lord and he wrote these things down uh, that the Lord was displaying to him and he knew they were truth. And I want you to hear these. First, he wrote down, He brought me here. It is by His will that I am in this straight place. In that fact, I will rest. Next, he said this, He will keep me here in His love and give me grace to behave as His child. And then he wrote, He will make the trial a blessing 
teaching me the lessons He intends me to learn and working in me the grace He means to bestow. And lastly, in His good time, He can bring me out again how and when He knows. And so He summed it up by saying this, let me say that I'm here by God's appointment in His keeping under His training for His time. Some of you need to hear that today. You're going through a mess. And you need to know that God has you there by appointment and He is keeping you and He is training you and He will pull you out in His time. I, I am really... I tell you, one of the things... I, I, I do not like what our world is going through today for many reasons. Uh, mainly because people get sick and, and you're dying from it. That's That's terrible. But it affects so many things. But there's a part of me that is saying, Oh Lord, it is, it is an opportunity for your church to arise like no other time. It is we can be there on our knees and praying and saying, God, come. And we're going to be there as people might get sick. We want to be there for them. We want to give them hope and a calm in the midst of a ter- tumultuous time. And that's why God is allowed us to be here for such a time as this. I end with this. You know, one of the things that such uh, strict regulations are being made is so is because it is so contagious. The flu itself is so contagious, but this uh, uh, COVID-19 is, is so contagious that huge steps are being made, you know, shutting down everything that's being shut down, congregations not meeting, uh, schools shutting down, all of these things are doing because of the spread. It can be so uh, bad that can take place. And as I've been thinking about this all week, I've, I've had this thought in my mind, is Lord, will the day ever come that we as King's kids, as your children, will become so contagious that the world asks, about why we are the way we are. I pray, God, make us that kind of contagious. That we are not giving through to fear and anxiety. But God, we want to be contagious with you and your Holy Spirit so that others can get the hope of Jesus.